Welcome to The Art of Growth, where we use the Enneagram and the best tools we can find to help you transform. This is Jim Zartman, and today, Joel Hubbard and I sit down with one of our favorite people in the world, Suzanne York. She hasn't been on the podcast in a minute, and so we are just so excited to have her on this week's episode, and she'll be on next week's episode with another friend of ours. And we explore a lot during this episode, a lot of things that I think are going to be helpful to people, not so much in advice, but in story, in exploration. And sometimes that's a better way at getting at something as the three of us pull this thread of permanence today. We don't share a ton about this on this podcast because this podcast is more targeted toward our consumer base than our corporate work. But the three of us have done a lot of corporate work together this year, working with teams to improve their emotional intelligence as more and more companies are waking up to this realization that the return on investment for emotional intelligence is far higher than they predicted. I'll be sharing a little bit about that in our newsletter soon. But if you work with a company and you would like us to bring the Enneagram in to your company to help the individuals and leadership team thrive, you can reach out to me at theartofgrowth.org. And we can start having a conversation about what that would look like for your organization. So you can reach out to me there at theartofgrowth.org. And that's also the place to take our free instincts test, Enneagram test, sign up for our newsletter and uh, get in contact us for one-on-one coaching or couples coaching or whatever you need. So let's go ahead and jump in with Suzanne York, pulling this thread, as I'm going to call it, of permanence. I'm excited to be back. And inside of that excitement is a little bit of fear. The fear that I won't do right by myself in this episode. Mm. So tell us what that means. Well, it has been a while since I've joined you around the mic. I have missed this. I'm so glad I've been able to work so much with you, especially over the last six months, which we can talk about a bit. Um, But we haven't recorded a podcast because life, Mm. lots got in the way. But I've had... I guess by all accounts of the word, a pretty incredible journey over the last eight or so months, eight or 10 months since we've Mm -hmm. recorded. And there's a lot of that journey that means a lot to me Mm -hmm. that as a three, I might not want to share. And so owning my truth, knowing my truth, saying my truth is really what's on my heart. Mm. Yeah. I always qualify that. It's like the truth as I know it right now. I know. I love that qualification. Because I think it takes some of the pressure off. So that we always like think of our decisions or like the way or if I say this and other people see it. But it's like, no, this is as I see it right now. This is as I understand it right now. I'm sure if I actually went back and listened to earlier episodes of us, there's certain (laughs) things I said I'd be very embarrassed of. Like, did I say that? Oh, we've learned so much. We don't even see anything right. that way. We don't see ourselves that way. Yeah. But I think we have to make peace with our own evolution. And that's so much of the part of that. Yeah. Yeah. So what is that that would make you feel like I might not be true to myself? Like, what does that mean? Well, looking to say things in a way or tell the story in a way mm. that others would approve of it or that yeah. would keep my facade of a three, the image intact, Mm. and knowing that it was a messy journey. Mm. And so I think I'll start with the end. I've made a decision to go back inside. So taking on a new role at a company, which will shift the working situation. And that decision 
came from a place that I have not experienced in a very, very long time, if ever. It came from a place of inner knowing mm. <laughs> when normally I chase certainty mm. or guarantees. Huge thing to differentiate. And so, I have none of that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the experience of it, I think it's very hard. It's hard to define. Like, how do you define certainty from knowing? Right. Like, certainty being this intellectual, like, I can exactly predict how this is going to go and how mm -hmm. this is going to turn out. And this knowing, this deep knowing of this is my step right now. Yeah. So, like, what, what was that like for you? How do you go through that process? There's a lot of letting go and a lot of surrendering and just not trying to control the outcome or control the process of getting to the outcome. Mm. You know, one example is, you know, we do a lot of workshops for teams. And my husband will say, how did it go? And I'll say, well, it went as planned. Hmm. And he's like, well, is that good? I'm like, as long as the plan was good. <laughs> and so then I think to myself, well, what if it hadn't gone as planned? Could it have been better? Because what if my plan kept it small or kept it tight instead of allowing for it to be whatever it could be? And could it have been bigger or better? than my plan allowed it to be. Well, in fairness to you, we have watched you shift out of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, can we tell that story? <laughs> yeah. Tell <laughs> like, a story. Literally. <laughs> tell, tell it. Let's talk about that part. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely. know. Well, no, I mean, this is just one of my favorite growth moments. People talk about, oh, celebrating big wins. Mm. I think we should be celebrating those small, small wins. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And so the story, as it goes, is, you know, we've been doing workshops with, with teams, quite a few since 2022 turned the corner. And we had kind of a really great approach to a workshop. And an hour before one of our workshops, we get on the Zoom together. And we're like, all right, are we good to go? And Jim goes, I have an idea. And the old me would have been like, nope, sorry. You are T minus 59 minutes. We are not changing the plan. Yeah. And instead, I said, really, what is it? And you shared it. And I said, that sounds awesome. And we pivoted, yeah. mm -hmm. like with minutes before the workshop. Mm -hmm. And it went great. Yeah. And I even remember saying, wow, guys, look at me. I wouldn't have done that a year no. ago. Right. Well, and I would have been nervous to propose it to you. Sure. I can imagine ago. how I would have Because it would have been like, um, I was like, I, that's just too, that's too much. Yeah. And I would have been like, I'm too late. Like, I should have thought of this earlier. But it's weird because in that situation, it was just kind of like, we're going to this team. And it felt like more like a knowing. Yeah. To, that you we have. need to pivot. We need to approach this way. And we're going to be able to get to a deeper place. Yes. But I still always feel bad doing it. Even, I think that's a, like a, qualifier I want to put on this whole like the deep knowing thing yeah. is you feel like yes I want that mental certainty but sometimes I have to make a decision from that deep knowing but that doesn't mean that I actually feel great about it yeah. it still can feel like am I right am I crazy <laughs> for doing this you can have a deep sense of knowing and still wonder am I way off base I think the other centers are still chirping so so to define what we mean by knowing I think might be helpful too yeah. is the knowing is beyond just our head-type ways of understanding the world and of anticipating the future and of connecting the dots or our heart way of knowing through being able to read people, being able to respond to people uh, or gut ways of knowing, which you know are through the action center, through the gut center of knowing this is the right action to take because all of us over-identify with one of the centers. Mm -hmm. And the knowing takes us beyond that. It's it's a deeper knowing that seem, seems outside in some ways to those three centers, but yet not really because it's also very much an inner sense that um, draws on those, but it 
causes our centers to act up because absolutely mm. we're going to have those questions of this is crazy what I'm thinking of doing. And so your knowing then was, that's the difference, I think, between what you're saying, which is knowing and certainty. Yeah. Certainty comes from one of your centers that you're comfortable working through. Knowing, it comes from somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. And I think my inner knowing had been screaming at me over the years because I ignored any idea, any thought of a gut knowing or gut reaction or people would say follow your gut and I'm like I don't even know what that means mm-hmm. and so I think over the years of not listening it finally was like I'm going to make it so you have to listen so there was a lot of discomfort within myself discomfort mm-hmm. physically discomfort emotionally and I think it was intended like you said the centers were chirping I was over relying on my head center even as a heart type mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything needed to be formulaic and add up you know, put it on a spreadsheet and get the final number and then I'm good to go, that the other centers over the years have finally said, please include us in this process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What was decision-making like for you through most of your life? Uh, outward. It was looking for data and reassurance, almost like the line to my six. It was well, you're lo- like data and reassurance. Oh, that, I like that combination. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, because I could have all the data— but then I'd still need someone else to look at the same data and mm. and reassure me. So like mm-hmm. every job change I made in my 20s, I called my parents, you know, mm. and they're like, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> you make this decision. Are we done? <laughs> like, right. Or I'd ask seven people before I'd actually have the confidence to make the decision. Just a total lack of self-trust. I just figured everybody else knew something I didn't. Mm. And so it was always looking externally for the either information or validation about what to do. Mm. Got it. So Oof, that had to I make some sense. Very bad choices. <laughs> well, it, well, that's it's interesting because it sounds like a very solid process. Like if I can get all the data, and then I can check in with like some trusted voices. Yeah. I could see how like my first response if someone told me that's what they were doing, I'd be like, that sounds like wisdom. Like you're including other voices and you're getting data. So where was the hole in it? Like what was missing? Uh, there, it's everybody else's interpretation of the data. You know, and uh, my parents are wonderful, but I was often influenced by their interpretations or their stories. You know, especially money stories. They were my parents were educators. And my mom didn't work when my brother and I were born, and so the, I don't know how they did it. They they raised a family of four on my dad's teacher's salary. Mm. And so different times, different times, my (laughs) goodness, regardless, anytime I'd go to my dad, his advice was definitely around a financial story of lack. Mm. And so it, it became my story and I don't fault him. I mean, I can't even imagine. So I think it is a question of, like you said, this is my truth right now. Like this was their Mm. truth. It was never my truth, Mm -hmm. whatever the decision-making ended up being. And I was chasing something else. It was definitely a Swiss cheese approach because something was missing in all the data and all the opinions that I got, and it was my own. Yeah. To rewind into the story a little bit, so I think you had mentioned this a long time ago, but people wouldn't necessarily remember that you were in the corporate world for oh, a long yes. time. Yes. And you made a decision to leave. I did. So, like, talk about that decision and how you arrived at it. Yeah. Well, it was before I knew the Enneagram. And I look back and I see so much of the three in me that made it necessary for me to break away so that I could 
learn more about myself. But the decision-making at the time was I could no longer be at the top of my game at work and be at the top of my game with family. We had, I then had two kids at the time, you know, they were really young at the One time. One and three at the time, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And they both had medical journeys. And that arena was, I had zero confidence in. And so I was, talk about trying to gather as much data as I could and get as many opinions as I could. And it was all consuming and overwhelming. And mm. and also, like, the period after you have a kid, you you are physically and hormonally different. And so if we don't acknowledge that period after having a kid, for a woman at least, then I think we're missing something in the, in the bigger picture. But So mm. there was a lot at play. I, I could no longer perform at my highest at work. I didn't know how to ask for help. But I also was in a situation that they wanted me to perform as high as I possibly could. So it was both. And there was this inner pull of like you need to be doing something different. You know, come out, re reassess, be the mom that you want to be. I was not m- mentally and physically present for my kids. Mm. I was an older mom, and so I'd waited a while to have kids. And I, the story that I had was, ah, I'm missing out, and this is, I need to be with them. I want to be with them. So the only thing I knew how to do was to take myself out of traditional employment and regroup. And this was pre-pandemic when there was no work from home, work remotely, the flexibility. Right. It was five days in Boston on a train at 7.15, home at 6.15, do mm. the thing with the family, then get up back on and do your email at night. Yeah. And so what was suffering was like my and half sleep. half kids before they go to bed. And right. You're having to work. You're gone all day. Then you got to work at night to grab catch up. And yeah. it's just, yeah. Yeah. And some of that was, did I really need to do all that? Yes and no. I mean, it was the situation and it was me in the situation. So I changed the situation. Yeah. It was that at the time. At the, yeah. It was all of it. I, I mean, yeah. And so this was 2019. Mm. And so between deciding to leave traditional employment and then coming out and saying, well, I still need to provide for my family financially. So what do I bring to the marketplace? Like, who am I? And so there was a whole branding exercise. And as a three, it, of course, was very facade-like, like this is what, you know, <laughs> what I can do. But it it caused me to look inside and say, what are my strengths? Mm. And it wasn't until I found the Enneagram that I actually started to be able to articulate some of my strengths because I just assumed everybody else could do them as well. Mm-hmm. Uh. But one of the things I went out to the marketplace with was, you know, obviously my background is change management and team performance. I had a lot of experience in organizational change and then helping teams, you know, adjust their ways of working in order to work differently together. What was missing for me was the individual component. Like I knew it couldn't just be changing the team. The individuals within the team needed to do their work too. You mean structure alone wouldn't get to the solution? Yeah, or even relationships. Like oh, you could talk yeah. about trust because, you know, all the models out there talk about both the the tangibles and the intangibles of team performance. And so mm-hmm. you can put goals and clarify roles and make sure decision-making is clear. And you can work on trust and communication and camaraderie. But you really can't do any of that if the individuals aren't coming from a place of self-awareness and curiosity and empathy. And that's when the Enneagram found me. I certainly did not find it. Mm. And that's when I was introduced to both of you. And I thought, this is amazing. I now have a tool I can use with my clients. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it always begins. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. great. Everybody else gets to do this work. Yeah. 
And then, of course, as you've taught me, in order for it to happen through you, it has to happen to you. Yes. So there, therein lies the beginning of my Enneagram journey. Mm. Yeah. And that was right as the pandemic hit. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And there was never any moments of even starting into the Enneagram. And this is so like looping back to the difference between knowing and certainty. Yeah. Like there are so many moments in life where we think, okay, so this is the change I'm making. I'm leaving, in your case, I'm leaving corporate America. I'm starting my own thing, consulting business. And that can feel permanent. Oh, very. You know, you're you're going through what's happening with your kids. That stage of life can feel absolutely like permanent, concrete, not shifting, yeah. as you were saying uh, before we started the podcast. Like it feels concrete. It feels yes. permanent. And then even when we reflect on our stories and we tell our stories, you know, we've often said, Jim and I have said, oh, yeah, when we met you, we knew it. It was like, you're the person, right? But if we're in the story at the time, instead of like reflecting back on it, yeah, there is a sense of, oh, yeah, uh, there's just a sense of knowing that we're to journey together. But any oh. sense of permanence is not there. There's no sense of, like, if you had said, well, how long is this a permanent thing? I couldn't answer that. I don't know. You know, it's interesting. We have a whole lot to talk about the permanence piece. But what's funny about that is there was something in me that knew we were going to be in each other's lives forever. Yeah. I think that piece of permanence was there for me. And therefore, there was a commitment to the relationship. Mm. Now, I had zero idea about the work piece. Right. Was there permanence to the work piece? Well, and all we did initially was like, well, let's just get on mics. Yes. And we just started. And like the pandemic had just hit. And one of the first things we did is like, uh, so there's a pandemic. And then you were talking about like, this could last, you know, if this lasts a couple months, like, what are we going to do? Like, right. <laughs> that was like in that episode. I, I think it's still out there. Yeah. Oh, um, and it, it, we were just like, no one knew what was happening. We were all like, well, what, you know, what is going on and how yeah. do we respond? And, but there was this kind of thing that I think sometimes during times of disruption, we, we have a different part of us that turns on and tunes into something that's important saying this is important for whatever it is like yes 20 minutes within meeting you I was just like yes this person is like important yeah like and I think the interpretation is kind of where we lose our way well it means this it means we're going to do this kind of work together it means that we're going to do this kind of thing and we can add all this stuff in but what was apparent right then was like important go yeah move this way and I think there's all these stories that we add on to sometimes that yeah. part, but that part was the knowing. Well, and I can picture how much I was seeking certainty around the work yeah. and how that, what it must have been like for both of you to experience oh that. Oh my gosh, you, you were, it was just, it would kill me that you were so, no, I'm kidding. Um, so, <laughs> no, no, you're not. <laughs> no, 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 it was, I, no, but I could feel your, I, I could yeah. feel your wanting certainty because for, and, and I could see my own. So it's not like I can look at yours and go, oh, yeah, clearly you need the certainty and I'm good. Right. No, no, no. It's a reflection on in what areas of my life do I seek out certainty? Yeah. You know, and it's a different, it's a different area than yours. Sure. So while I can appear spontaneous and appear like, oh, I'm nimble and I'm spontaneous and you just throw me in a situation, yeah, that's overplayed. There's a mm. lot of other th- areas where that's actually not true. And as a head type, I seek certainty in a, in a different way. So I think that that's something that all humans share as a characteristic is our need for safety, security, things that we feel like. I'm, I'm reflecting on the whole thing of permanence because mm. I like what you're saying, but it's trigger. It's causing me to go deeper. Like, Ooh. 
it's permanence, but not in a sense for me of guaranteed outcomes, guaranteed future absolutes. It's more of an eternal yes. It's like a yes that's eternal. Like there's mm. a yes to us. Mm. That's it. I can't say what that's going to look like yeah. down the road. The projection of my head as a seven looking like, oh, and it could be this and it could be that. And then like, let's leapfrog our way to that. The inner knower was there's a yes, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Are you saying that it's like there's a clarity to the who, but not to the what? There is, but it's even beyond that. It's hard to, it's beyond the who. Like definitely it was you and and certainly not others. Like there wasn't this like, you know, with you, of course, Jim, when you and I met, there was this, there was this yeah. yeah, absolute yes. This feels like a permanent thing. It feels like a forever thing. But to me, it feels like a yes in the time sense of not the future, but the yes is an eternal now yes. Mm-hmm. And every day that I wake up, that's the, that's the yes that now. I feel. And yeah. sometimes it's stronger and sometimes it's weaker, but, but it's always present that there's an eternal yes to the relationship. But I feel comforted if I stay there and I know when I'm going beyond that into projection about the future, trying to get some measure of certainty about outcomes, what it's going to look like. And I think that's rigid and that narrows things because now our relationship is shifting, right? Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. part of the conversation we all had was like, uh-oh, how, yeah. what's this going to look like? Because it's shifting the way we have worked together. Yes. But yet what we were able to affirm is there's still the yes in the present moment right now. Yeah, absolutely. And we feel that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so much of what you said because I, I don't relate to this eternal yes feeling until recently because I've, I think I've always been chasing that. Hmm. Like, I haven't felt it, and so nothing felt right. And so then I would I would overload myself with this searching for that sense of calm, that sense of knowing. Like, even when I left corporate four years ago, I didn't leave from a, a place of grounded knowing. I left from a place of anxiety. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. And it was like, I— this is not working and I don't know mm. any other way. Now, I've often thought, well, if I knew the Enneagram before, would I have had to leave? Because could I have recognized both my type and my subtype at play? But i that's not worth my exploring that. Sure. Yeah. Um, because I think it had to happen so that whatever is about to come next, this becomes part of what my journey was. Yeah. Um, so it's not for, just not worth my spending the energy on. But I can also see that permanence piece. I put so much weight on every decision I make because I feel like I'm imprinting my future in concrete. Mm. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I put so much weight in decisions over the years. Yeah. I couldn't hold it loosely. I saw it so many other opinions because I, it didn't feel like, well, if it doesn't work, I'll just make another decision. I'm like, What? What are you talking about? How does that work? <laughs> you know, <laughs> where yeah. I've, I'm going into this next decision with, hey, this is going to work for right now. Yeah, that was interesting. You said that. Yeah, that was when you said that. I thought, wow, say more about that. Like, a, like, because you you made a decision, and it's a big decision. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is not a small thing to mm-hmm. go. All right, I'm hanging up my stuff for a while here. Yeah putting pause on it and I'm shifting my career. This affects everything. It affects you, yeah. affects your family. Yeah. And yet you're holding it like with a certain measure of looseness. 
Right. Yeah. And I'm letting go of some big contracts that were going to pay me really well. And like, there was like all, there was a lot of things that were kind of like, and then a big over here. Yeah. I wish you could see his hand movements on that. Yeah, that's that pretty good. Totally good story. <laughs> well, and that that was all of the data you just said was my head trying to convince my inner knowing that I, I'm not making the right decision. But every time I introduced oh, that piece of data, it was like, nope, this is the right decision. And because yeah. I tried everything, but what about this? And what about this? And yeah. what about that? And of course, I talked to people. I talked to both of you and yeah. my husband. And and to get your perspectives and the yeah. support was resounding, yeah. I think because I felt so clear. Yeah, you know, it was yeah, because I also like that. I had had this inner knowing that was like this one isn't resolved yet. Like this question in you isn't resolved yet, and there's going to come a time where it needs to come up again. Yeah, and so yeah, it seemed it seemed like a confirmation almost of something that like I had already had this kind of internal feeling about. Yeah. So yeah, it's just kind of like when when people are on their journeys, like you have to trust that there are no tangents. And that these detours mm. are absolutely necessary for all of them. Like people, like they just like, well, this whole thing, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna completely transition in my career or in my r- relationship, you know, status. I'm gonna be with this person. I'm gonna not be with this person anymore. Yeah. I'm gonna start this thing. I'm gonna move across the country. Whatever it is, and it's just kind of like, yeah. I, I can imagine a lot of us are out there are going like, yeah. I've, I think I've tasted. I think I've felt that before. But what does that look like? How does that? grow in us because you were saying I, I didn't have that I didn't I oh, wasn't no. tuning into my inner knower I, at all and then now you are so what was how did that shift well it definitely started with the work of the Enneagram mm-hmm. and just recognizing all three centers and how how over revving I was on one center it also my inner experience was not fun it was hard huh. I did not enjoy being inside my own head, my own body. And I was like, I I don't like this. Yeah. And so I had a real inner drive to change my inner experience. I mean, there were some moments that I really hit a wall. Mm-hmm. And I think it was one of those like, I don't need to be hitting this wall, but I have caused myself to hit the wall. So I am the problem. What do I want to be different? And so then it, it just really... I started doing a lot of energy work, you know, a lot of work around this idea that, you know, energy flows within us and it can get blocked uh, and there's chakras and there's a whole other episode I could do on (laughs) just the, well, the other, this piece I will say is I talked about my um, kids' medical journeys for my son. He was undiagnosed for a little while and during that period, the doctor said, well, his symptoms could be anything from life-threatening to life-changing to nothing. And he landed in the life-changing, life-altering, but we're in such a great space. He's thriving. It's all good. But in those moments of unknowing where was he on that spectrum, there was nothing I could do. Mm. And as a three, like, that did not sit well with me. And so that's where I had to turn to other other options and finding, finding ways to help him by bringing calm to him. Well, if I wasn't calm on the inside, there's no way I could bring calm to him. Mm. So it really did stem from my inner experience was not good. Mm. Um, and then borrowing from other types, like, well, wait a minute, why are you so clear? Why, you know, what is it that has you so optimistic? <laughs> yeah. And just saying, like, let me let me try other strategies because the ones I've been using are no longer serving me well. 
Well, I love this so much because so much for a three, it's kind of like, if I can get the external right, then the internal will feel better. Yes. But then you really learn like, okay, that's not the way it goes. I actually have to change my internal experience. Yeah. And then external things will come, go, they'll shift through all these changes, but like I have to, it has to shift here. Yeah. You've been making that transition. Yes. Yeah. And what I actually had to do was stop asking everybody else. And I had to get solitude yeah. and quiet. Once we start validating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And start validating your own internal. I'm, I'm, I'm putting words here. I want to hear your words. Like, is it a, was it a validation of your own internal experience that you needed to do? Like, I don't need someone else's. I need to like say, that's my feeling. Those are my experiences. They're like, what was the inner practice for you? Yeah, it was definitely the, what is it that I want? And so I, I did get into muscle testing. I don't know if you've ever yep. done body dousing or just, yeah. and just I, I, the body doesn't lie. I think that's a book um, to say, what is my body telling me? And a lot of times it was telling me something I wasn't paying attention to. And then I started paying attention to the moments when my body was calm. Mm. I was like, why are you calm right now mm. when you weren't, you know, yesterday and what's different? And and so it started with that and then kind of unpacking what was coming up for me in the moments of calm versus the moments of mm. disruption, internal disruption. Mm. That's really good. That's a great question for all of us. Yeah. I have this story that I'm going to say each of you because you're in front of me that you don't have moments of dis- internal disruption. No, I never do. Never. I never do. Of course it's not. Really, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's you, Susie, you know, but it's well, kind of us or, you know, just, we're yeah, good. I'm more tortured maybe, no, but like, I, I no. don't, Not yeah, at all. Not at all. You're, you're and, and there's, I mean, there's also a male, female okay, thing happening fair. here. I'm quite sure of that as well. That I mean, the, sort of, you know, the gender thing here for a lot of guys is just the sort of like, I don't want to put this out on the world. I, yeah. I'm going to carry it. It's my responsibility to deal with it. You carry a lot of that being a three, but yeah. I think that that's part of it. As a seven though, yeah, of course. I don't I, I don't want to bring negativity into the space. Yeah. And, and I certainly don't want to be the cause of that. Like I, I can, if I bring in a story that's negative, well, that's one thing. But if I bring in and I'm the cause of that, yeah. Oh, that doesn't set right. It's so interesting that you're equating it to negativity, where I, I wouldn't see it as negative. I'd see it as, oh, that's real. That's, you know, relatable. That's- yeah. 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 There's definitely a story around our disruption. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I definitely, I think the eighth piece is just like, I can't show that. Right. So, but the thing is, each of us at different points in time, and I've, we've had this conversation after like, like client stuff like that. Yeah. And we're sharing something that was happening within us, a struggle we were having during that experience. Yeah. And both of the other people being like, well, I thought you were fine. Right. Like, you seem you, you totally, totally cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you always, you always seem like cool and calm and collected. Um, now I can spot a little bit of it, it now, but yeah. like I was like, oh, you're yeah, but just that's so polished. And we know each other so that we're yeah, able to see polished. some of that. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But it's like, and I was like, no, I was I was really nervous in that situation. I mean, yesterday you reached out with a situation that happened and yeah. with a text and you said, what's going on? I knew you were picking up on stuff. I knew you could feel stuff yeah. and read stuff. So yeah. I responded honestly. I was like, what's happening for me? Yeah. So while externally I'm trying to keep control, internally there's a lot of disruption. There's a lot of stuff happening. Mm. Yeah. You know, and I was glad you asked me. That gave me an outlet. That gave me an opportunity to, sh- to to share that. And certainly when I met with my coach yesterday, I was like, let me talk to you about something that happened. I need to work through it because it's this internal disruption while something's ha- while a meeting's happening between, you know, all of yeah. us. Yeah. So And I don't trust yeah. myself in those situations. So I'm like, if I reveal the disruption, 
that's just me. And then I'm just like putting, uh, it's just like I'm crapping on people. Oh, yeah, so I'll I hate keep that it. feeling. I yeah. hate that feeling too. So I like, a lot of times I keep my disruptions to myself because I'm just wow. kind of like, I don't want to, I don't want to put this on because this is just my own, you know, whatever. And, and so there's all like, I think we all have stories around the reasons we yeah. like don't allow the voice of disruption even though it's trying to say something, it's trying to teach us something, it's, I think it's trying to honor a part of us or, or it's trying to work through, like Joel always talks about, you know, triggers or teachers, right? So, right. but it's like, well, what is this, what is this trying to say? Well, and you know, what I'm reacting to is this idea, like, if I don't think you have disruption and I have disruption, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but if, if one of us comes forward with like, hey, I'm having some inner disruption, then all of us will be like, oh, me too. And now we can talk about it. But if nobody shares that they are, then nobody feels okay. I actually think you're more courageous than I am in that in that way. Like I I I, because because it's absolutely it's absolutely true. Like if I if I had more courage, I would say and courage in the sense of like, yes, I like to say I don't want to put my stuff on you because I don't want you carrying it. You know, and that's but, a risk for uh, three. Sounds, but, it, but on the other side of it, there's another side of it that's that's even more. Well, I mean, that's the version that driven. sounds noble. Right? It sounds more noble, right. so it's easier it's, for me to say that. Right. There's also the sense of other stuff happening uh, internally, but I know it's a lack of courage fundamentally yeah. because it affects how I appear too. Yeah. So I don't want to appear a different. I don't want to appear a certain way. I don't want to appear weak. I don't want to appear like I'm. I'm the problem in the room, but you have more courage than I do in that space. And I love it. I, in fact, you've, because you've waded into those waters, even though you feel like I'm the problem here, clearly, right. but because you've waded in those waters, it has helped me to go, okay, I, I can now do that too and share a little bit more of what's going on. Oh, so much is coming up for me. What I'm thinking now is as as I go back into traditional employment and I have a team and we've seen the pull of the Enneagram mm. in companies lately, like we're, we're barely having to say much. And they're like, yes, come on yeah. over. Yeah, like we're, it's been amazing. We've done zero like, marketing. It's zero marketing. <laughs> people asking us, right? And we have been so busy this in yeah. 2022. The number of sessions we've had and, and we've had people invite us back in, not because of anything we've said, but because of the relationship they can sense. That was, cra- that was crazy. That was so cool. When, that blew my right? mind, yeah. Like, yeah. like top five moments of my professional career was like, yeah. all that moment. Compliments where he's like, I didn't actually, you know, I'm inviting you guys in to do this seminar and trust. He's like, but, and it's like, well, why? Why this topic? And he's like, no, no, it was by watching how you interacted, what you demonstrated in the relationship between the three of you, how you kind of dance and you give each other space and you let each person take the lead at different times. He's like, that, that was the thing that I want more on my team. And I was just like, oh my God, like you saw the thing that we try to be. And when people see the thing that you really try to be internally, but you never vocalize, yeah, that's the greatest. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, yeah, like it was really cool. And I keep thinking we do this work as our livelihood, and there's a part where we have to keep drawing each other out as well. Yeah, and going back into traditional employment, I want to create that with my team. Yeah. And the situation is going to be completely different. One is they won't have that committed to each other. From that eternal yes standpoint, yeah. because nobody stays in their role longer than two, three, four years. Right. So there isn't that sense of longer term relational commitment to one another. Hmm. There's likely not that safety of I can go there. Like she's going to wait in the water. She's going to ask me to wait in there with her. And OK, I can do that. So I'm I'm fascinated by this idea that we are getting pulled in to do that work 
with teams because they're asking for it. They don't know exactly what they're asking for. No, they yeah. don't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but they're, yeah. they're bringing us in without us even saying much. Yeah. And then the what it's actually going to take to do that when the circumstances are different. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, though, question. because yeah. I think as you are a model of the eternal yes to yourself, oh. it makes the relationships come and like the flow of those more easily. Oh, and I have not been an eternal yes to myself. But that's what you're until now living yeah, yeah. into. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. Right. And so if you have this eternal yes to yourself, like yeah, someone's on a team or two or three years. Mm-hmm. But if you have the eternal yes to yourself, that's still gonna that's gonna completely change the dynamic with that person. Wow. And there's a, such much more of an openness and a presentness to that person. Yeah. I remember when I first started coaching, like I'd have this incredible like one-on-one experience with someone and I'm like, am I ever going to see that person again? Yeah. And it was like such this big thing, but I was like, what? But even if I don't, there's an eternal yes to things that was said in that moment that came from beyond us because they were the deepest in us. Mm. And that's like that eternal yes to yourself. And the more you carry that, yes, like there's shifting roles. There's the things like that move, but that's still there. And that you can't fake. Yeah. You you can't fake presence. Right. You can't fake it. You yeah. either are present yeah. to yourself, to the world around you, or you're not. I I, I love what's happening. So this morning I go to I, I go to the gym and I work out. I finish my workout and I'm about to go play racquetball. And there's a guy working out. <clears throat> I've said hi to him. We've had some conversations. In fact, we've had some conversation where he started to open up and talk about some of the stuff he's been dealing with. Now, this is a guy that's, he's done UFC stuff. He's done all kinds of jujitsu. He was going to even teach in the gym some of the classes. And he's, start, he's like, I've never been to anything. I've never done any therapy and stuff, but I'm starting to. And he starts opening up. Well, I haven't, you know, talked with him in maybe a couple weeks. I show up, I walk by. He eagerly looks up and waves at me. I go, hey, how's it going, right? And he's like, great. He pulls his earbud out right away. So I'm like, okay, he wants to, he wants yeah, to talk. here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and he starts opening up again. Wow. And he's like, yeah, Joel, I have to admit to you, man, I'm, I'm really, really loving this. Like this biweekly therapy and, man, it's changing my life. And I'm really like, you know, he's sharing this stuff with me. And I'm thinking, why, you know, in the moment, like, why is he sharing this with me? What is, what, what's happening here? And if I wasn't present, and I've been, I felt more present today as I walked into the gym. But there's times mm. when I'm not. Oh. And I don't have those wonderful, you know, spontaneous, like, moments with people. It just doesn't happen. But when I'm present and I'm moving through the day present, there's stuff like that that happens. And I could see it and I read it and responded correctly. Yeah. Because I would have just gone into the, I wanted to play racquetball and I wanted to play my games and mm-hmm. I wanted to get in and I wanted to to have fun and that's it. That's what was on my mind. Yeah. It's like, slow down, slow down. What's happening in the world around you, right? I think that you are more ready for that than, you know, I, I wish I could say that, that I emblemize that. I don't, I don't. Yeah. This is like a thing I have to work at really hard or it just doesn't happen. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. like there's nobody that has presence naturally. All nine oh, types, so we freeing. struggle with being present to ourselves, which is the reason why some of these books are being written on being present, because none of us have it. Yeah. That's really freeing. So it's a practice. It's like, yeah. oh, I can do that right now. I can pivot. I wasn't a moment ago, but I can I can be present right now. Yeah. Like it, and you're demonstrating a lot of that. And I think that that's what makes you more ready for this role where, as Jim was saying, I think that's that's right. People will come 
people will go, but you're, pre- but you're saying yes to yourself, you're present to yourself. People are going to see that and be, yeah. you know, be impacted by that. Wow, that's amazing. So, yeah. Well, what I believe to be true is I have changed. Mm-hmm. The world has changed. And by saying yes to this new opportunity and not having it lead to a prescribed outcome that I think is going to be better than even I could imagine. Yeah. So in what ways does inner knowing give you peace versus the certainty that was was the allure of this will give me peace? You know what's very interesting? I just said that and my whole insides went whoop. Like, <laughs> like it's not. This is not necessarily going to be easy. This is it, not. That's right. right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. but it's not this frenetic, anxiety-ridden sense of anticipation. It's like, okay, it's like kind of going up on a roller coaster. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I'm feeling right this second, physically. Like I'm going up on a roller coaster. Yep. Click, 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 click. Yep. Yep. And like there'll be moments where it's fun, like the honeymoon period of the onboarding, and then there'll be really hard moments when I realize what did I actually sign up for? Five Gs are shoving you into your own body (laughs) in the corner as you go around a bend. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, But there is something about a a sense of readiness. Yeah. Mm. Not a head led ready, like I have all the information I need, but this like, do it. You know, like Mm. it's going to work out. Yeah, it has yeah. the two com- components that is this right and is this now? Yeah. And it's like that, you know, I, I always talk about, you know, I think it's terrible. We ask a 19-year-old, what do you want to do with your life? Yeah. It's like, well, what do you want to do next? Yeah. Is a much more yeah, wise question. Yeah. yeah. And this thing that we kind of come back to, which is like, this is mine. This is next. And there's no this projection like I'm going to be here for 20 years. Right. It's like, I don't know. Five months could all fall apart. You know, a year could all fall apart. It may be great for five years. I might get some other thing happen. Something may happen with the kids. Like, yeah. like something would happen. You never know. Like something can be, but it's like when you remove that, the pressure of permanence yes. and you say yes to the now, there's a freeing to your eternal yes, to your truest self. So I'd leave you with that question. If you were to say yes to the now, what are you being invited to say yes to? That may not be permanent, but it is your right now. So ask yourself that question. So thank you, Suzanne, for being with us. Uh, It's so always so fun for the three of us to chat. And uh, I really enjoyed that conversation. One of my favorite moments this year was when a team who had worked with us on the Enneagram asked us to come back and work with them on trust. And we asked them why that, like what does their team need? And the response we got back was that this leader saw how the three of us interacted together, how we interacted as a team, as how we made space for each other, how we shifted through all three of us as far as who was leading at different times. And so we were brought back in because of how he saw the team work. And I was just about in tears when I heard that because I was so encouraged because that is what we want people to experience. Even when they see us bump up against each other, we're all for each other and want to see each other do well. So if you want to reach out to us, you can do that at theartofgrowth.org. But for now, my friends, take a breath and remind yourself that you are here right now 
that it is good to be you and that you do have invitations before you. And you can ask yourself in the sweetest voice possible, what is mine right now? May I be more aware of my yeses and my noes, my welcomes and my boundaries, my leaning in with energy and my pulling back to rest because it all belongs and it's all welcome. Grace and growth, my friends.